We start in Parakid Ches. A very interesting parak. What seems to be happening here, the Torah seems to have to be a bit out of place. So Basak says like this: Vayikol Lukal Adas Bnei Yisrael Shiloh. The whole of Kal Yisrael gathers in Shiloh. Vayashkinu Shamis Oil Moed. And they made it a place to settle the Oil Moed. The Mishkan, which had, until that stage, the last seven years of the conquest, had been wandering around with them, wherever they would be Jewish. Uh, settlements were encamped, so the Mishkan came with them. So now, after they had finished the process of Kibush, the seven years of conquering Eretz Yisrael, so they made this permanent location for the Mishkan, and that was in Shiloh. Shiloh, as you saw, was in Nachas Yosef, and Shiloh is of Bordel and Nachas Binyamin as well. And that was also a central place in Eretz Yisrael where they, played, they put the Mishkan, Varis, Nechmashalit name. Now, what was the, the nature of the base, the Oil Moed, we call it the Mishkan of Shiloh? So, the Gemara tells us in Zvachim that as opposed to the base of English, which was a structure which was built out of stones, out of bricks, whatever it was, out of cement, it had a proper roof, it was a proper building, and the Mishkan in the midbar, which was temporary, it was made of wooden boards which could be folded, and curtains, drapes along the top which all could also be taken down. The Mishkan of Shira was something in the middle. The commission tells us that it had coastless shall ever, it had walls which were properly built out of rock, out of stone, but it didn't have a proper roof. They kept the tapestries of the Mishkan as the roof of the Mishkan in Shira. That's the one difference. The second difference is that we know that the Mizbech, which was used in the Midbar, was a portable Mizbech. They had to carry it around with them. So it was made out of copper, but it was transportable, and they used to carry it and put it down wherever they wanted. We know that in the Beis Mikdash there was a Mizbech Abonim. They weren't using the copper portable Mizbech anymore. They built a Mizbech out of stone, which was enormous. It was much bigger than the copper Mizbech. Was, the Mishnah gives us the sizes of 32 Amos, which is a tremendously big structure. And what, what happened in Shiloh? So the Mishnah tells us there also that the Mizbech was made out of the same Mizbech of Moshe. They, you know, even though they had built walls as a structure for Shiloh, but the Mizbech they used was the Mizbech of Moshe. It's actually, uh, it's just, parenthetically, it's interesting. I've been to the Mishkan of Shiloh. You can go there today, you can go to the Tel Shiloh. So when I went there, there was a certain tour guide, a person who lived, who was explored Shiloh, who lives in Shiloh. He considered himself an expert in Tanakh, so he took me around to show me exactly where the Mishkan lay. And uh, the dimensions of the Mishkan, you can still see the remains of the walls of the Chatzar, you can still see the remains of the walls of the Kodesh. Right? I actually measured them. Because I was interested, you know, we know, we know how big the Mishkan Shiloh was, so I measured them to see how big the, where they think the Mishkan was, and it's actually accurate. It fits in very well with the shearing, the sizing we have um, from how big the Mishkan was. This tour guy told me there's just one thing he doesn't understand. It's hard to tell because it's not such a difference, and it's not like the wall is completely thin. You can see stones, like in the line where the foundation was, and exactly what was the last stone, and so to speak, where to start counting from. So it's not, it's not, it's not so easy to see exactly that sharply how big the shear is. Um, it's in, uh, where, where is it? Shiloh is in, the, in Shamron. It's in Har- exactly where the Navi puts it, in the Haraya frame. It's about 45 minutes north of Yerushalayim. Right. Now, the tour guy told me, there's just one thing I don't understand. And that is, it seems Shiloh was never actually destroyed like Yishraim was. After the Mishkan was captured in the time of Eliakon, it fell into disrepair. So 
So it collapsed, so it was whatever. So we still have the walls. He says this amazing thing that in the Chatzah, when they were excavating, they found fragments of burnt bones of animals, which is obviously from the Mizbech. He said, but there's no, there's no zeicher on the ground that there was ever in Mizbech. There's no structure, there's no stones, there's no like, disturbance of the, of the ground that was in Mizbech. I can't understand it. So I told him, I understand it perfectly. There wasn't a Mizbech. Mizbech of Shira was Mizbech of Moshe. It was a portable Mizbech. No one ever built a brick Mizbech or a rock Mizbech in Shira. So of course we're not going to see archaeological evidence. That, uh, they have archaeological evidence of the walls, which they were, but there was no evidence of Mizbech. There wasn't one. They were using the Mizbech of Moshe. It was taken away? It was taken away. Like all the Kalim were taken away. So there, was no, there was no structural changes there. Um, there's another din in Shiloh, which is referred in the Mishnah Zvachim, and that is the halacha is in Shiloh that Kachim Kalim could be written in Raya, which means any place you could see the city of Shiloh from, you could eat Kachim Kalim, and it was more makele than in Shiloh. In Shiloh, you could only eat Nifim in Achaimah, Kachim Kalim, like Shlamim or Taido or Pesach, you could only eat inside the wall of Yishlaim, whereas in Shiloh, or the din of Raya. This actually is like I said yesterday, was part of Yosef's bracha for protecting his eyes. And anyway, we could see Shiloh was in Skadesh, um, that you could eat Kachim Kain. Now, it's a very interesting thing. Shiloh is on a mountain, but it's on a very low mountain. Shiloh is actually in the, like in the middle of a valley. You have like a small hill, which is where Shiloh was built, and it's surrounded by a much higher mountain. Surrounded. If you look like towards the sides, you'll see a much like a bigger mountain range, which kind of encompasses Shiloh definitely from the east and the north. The south, not so much, but the east and the north and even the west, there's like these bigger mountains surrounding Shiloh. When they were excavating, as far as I can say, when they were excavating around the area of Shiloh and these mountains surrounding Shiloh to see if there's any habitation there, so at the top of the mountains they found a tremendous amount of broken pottery, but no houses, no stones. So I can understand that normally pottery is a sign of habitation, but there were no stones of houses. So what was going on? So the particular tour guide that we went to visit with, so I told them Salacha as well. Salacha was Bashilo. You can eat Kachim Kali Bukhala Raya, anywhere you can see Shida from. And the halacha is that the pots that you use to eat Kachim for, they get bliss, they get the taste of Kachim. You can't take them out of their mouth, you have to break them in Mukhaimum. Right? They have to be broken in Mukhaimum. And therefore, where you ate them. And therefore, if you look at the land where the pottery is, it's actually the highest point where you can still see Shida from. A few steps beyond that, you can't see Shida anymore. And that's the where they have this ring of broken pottery. Obviously, Kayas will spread out to eat the Kachim Kali. And the place they could still see, that's where they were. So that's where they had the past, that's where they broke the past. Uh, which is what Allah says. Okay, so that's the two of Shiloh. It doesn't get disintegrated after so many years? Pottery doesn't, it's very hot. It has to be a very wet environment to disintegrate pottery. And there's a shell where it's dry. Pottery normally is very well preserved. Um, now. Especially in the mountains. Yeah. Now, Shiloh lasted for a long time. You know, it's 79 years that Shiloh was around for. 369 years, I'm sorry, 369 years that Shiloh was at the Mishkan. Uh, it was set up here by Yeshua after the seven years of conquest. Right, okay, so that's the... So after they came to Shiloh, so it says, We left with seven Shvatim who haven't yet received the Nachla. Why? Because God and Reuben took an Eberyad, Menashe, well, he got half of his Chalik and Eberyad and half of his Israel. Ephraim was given, Yehudah was given. So if our Shvatim had been given, Levi was not like heir, he doesn't get. So we left with the other seven Shvatim who haven't yet been given the Nakhla. So we left now with seven Shvatim which haven't yet had the Nakhla given to them. 
So by Yom Yisrael B'nai Yisrael, which is a whole northern part of Eretz Yisrael, right? So I took this out, right? So by Yom Yisrael B'nai Yisrael, Ad Onatim Misrafim, how long are you going to Misrafim? Be lazy. Love the Eretz Yisrael, so Shenasim Lachem Hashem Lachem Yisrachem. Not to inherit the land that Hashem has given you. So it's interesting that he puts the responsibility in B'nai Yisrael that your fault. Why, why are you being lazy? And the question is, why is it their fault? He's the one who's meant to be giving up the Nakhon. Yeshua was taking 10 years were taken out of his life because he was delaying the process. So you have to answer that question. Why was Yeshua shifting the responsibility or the blame to Klai Yisrael? What do you want them to do? He says, Appoint three people from each Shavet. I'll send them. They'll go and they'll measure the land which still needs to be split up. They should split it into different nachalas, different portions, and then come back to me. Split it into seven portions. Yehuda's already got his portion, so he'll get his portion in the Negev. And Bez Yosef, which means the national prime together, have already been given their portion, which doesn't mean the north of Eretz Yisrael, it means north of Yehuda, which is on Bab Yehuda, in the north of Yehuda. And then what's left, the virus left into seven parts. They bring it to me. I'm going to make a girl out of the, the remaining seven nachras and the remaining seven shvatim. Because they're a kind of Hashem. And God drove in Chatishev Benash, Lapu Nachras, and Evelia, and Mizrach, and Nasna Moshev Benashem. Benyamin didn't get there? Benyamin hasn't gotten yet. They're one of the seven. And the Shimon got it. No, also not. To give it Benyamin, Shimon, Yisachas, Vodan, Don. But Shimon was in Yehuda. Sorry? Shimon got it. Not yet. They're going to get in Yehuda, but it hasn't been given to them yet. Benyamin hasn't been given either. Right. And now the obvious question is that if the girl should have been done, all the Shvatim together. Put everyone together and do the girl together. What happened over here? That some Shvatim, you heard the specific Yehud and Yosef, got their girl first, and then he afterwards did a second girl for the other seven Shvatim. Why wasn't the girl given to everyone at the same setting at the same time, and all split, so to speak, at one girl? Well, why was, why was it done like this? So there are two reasons given. In Foshim, why you should Yehud and Yosef, so to speak, got their Nakhla up front before the other Shvatim? The one reason the Malvin brings over here, and that is, as we see both by Yehuda and by Yosef, and you're going to see by the other Shvatim as well, they hadn't really finished destroying all the Knanim yet. For the majority part, they had destroyed all the Knanim, but there were still pockets of Knanim. Like it says, the Arya Pishtim, we saw before about Yavos, and we saw about Tanakh, and we saw about other places, but there were still Knanim in Eretz Yisrael. Now, therefore, the, the, the Shvatim of Yehuda and Yosef are going to get back. Yeshua tells them they were strong. And therefore they didn't mind getting their nakhla and dealing with the Knanim um, in their midst on their own. Because uh, the way the, the thinking went was when Yehuda was given his nakhla, now it's his responsibility to take care of his own portion. Are there still Knanim who in his portion? So Yehuda felt he was powerful enough to deal with them on his own. Same thing Yosef, as we saw yesterday, that they had the Knanim of the Rech of Barzil with the iron chariots. But Yeshua told them, I'm rough and you're strong, and therefore go and fight them yourselves. So you can give them their nakhla, and it would be their responsibility, but Yosef to deal with the Knanim who was still left there. But the other Shvatim who were smaller, or not as powerful, so they, didn't, they were scared to be given the portion, and therefore have 
not to deal with the Knaim which were left in the abortion on their own. It was still collectively Klaishro's problem that would work together as an army. It wasn't like each Shavit was dealing with his own resistance. But they had the uh Shiva from Rubain and God. So Rubain God at this stage would have finished the job. But I'm saying as long as they didn't get their machine, so it was still part of the military campaign. So the whole Klaishro army together would be fighting against all these individuals. So, so Rubain and God are still there. So in the meantime they're still there. But so, once Yeshua is going to apportion everybody their Nachla, so now you're a Rubin God kept taking commitment. Then they're going to withdraw. That was the promise to Moshe. They're going to stay there until Klaish will all get their Nachla, and then they're going to go back again. When they getting their Nachla, that means kicking out the Canaanites. So they were, and for the whole, for the most part they had, there were these pockets of resistance which they hadn't. Most part? You said seven shot, shot them, they didn't get their land yet. No, so remember God is still here. I'm explaining the reason why they hadn't got their land yet is because they didn't want to take a portion yet. Because they wanted to work together to destroy the resistance in each Chaylam. The next shepherd you saw. First, each shepherd became a, like their local issue to deal with. Was it, was it right for so, so to speak, you know, a battle can be won. So that they had overtaken Israel, no one was ever had surrendered or, did, or been destroyed. They hadn't gone around cleaning up, like so to speak, all the the remaining clan in their small groups, wherever they were. But they seem to be important pockets of Israel. But in some places they were stronger than others, and it's going to be a problem. Had the Jewish army, who we were still all together. Yeah, done a more yeah. systematic job would be much better, which is what Hashem wanted them to do. Hashem tells them a few times in the Torah, destroy every last person. Yeah, There's another reason here also. And that is that by Yehudah's Chaylek and Yehudah's Chaylek, it wasn't totally in the Goro. Because there were factors here which they had to get and that's how they got. Firstly, when you talk about Yehuda, Moshe Prime is Kalev Hebron. So Kalev was from Yehuda. So you wouldn't get Nachla in the middle of someone else's Nachla. So it had to be Yehuda got the south because Kalev was promised Hebron. So no matter the area around Hebron was going to be Yehuda's Chalev. Similarly, Yaakov promised Yosef Shechem. He said, I'm giving you Shechem. So that's the case. Shechem has to fall in Nachla's Yosef. Because again, you can't give him a Chalev which isn't going to be his. So the, those two shvatim, those two halakim were predetermined. So there was no point making the goral on them. You can give them the nachla because it's predetermined what they have to get. It's only the other shvatim where there was no reason beforehand why Yisach had to get here or Zvulun had to get there or, or Don had to get wherever you got. So then you can make a goral to work out the other shvatim where they're going to get. So Yeshua sends his messengers, they split the rest of the two shvatim and they come back to Shiloh, which is where the, are the, are the Mishkan is now located. And that's what we're going to see next time where they're going to make the goyrol and split up the, and split up the land. We'll see the last two psukim on this point. It says, Yaakov ha'anashim ve'yelcho ve'yitzav Yeshua sa'holchim nikhtav v'sa'aris le'emar Those who went out to map out their Yisrael, they told them, L'chuv v'sa'alchu v'aretz v'kisvo esav v'shuvo elai v'foy ashichachem goyrol v'fnei Hashem b'shilem The goyrol to be in front of Hashem, part of the, the procedure was the Kohen Godel, he's the Urim v'tumim, which lets out like we saw beforehand with the name of each of it, the Urim Tum had to be in front of Aaron Kodesh. That had to be in Shiloh. Okay, Bayelchanoshim, Bayabarit, Bayechtavod, Aaron, Meshiva, Chalokim, Asafer, they wrote out seven portions of Eretz Israel, Bayavoyal, Yeshua, Amach, Nishiloh, they come back to Yeshua, to Shiloh, Bayashnechem, Yeshua, Goyal, Bashilif, Nehashem, Bayachanak, Shem, Yeshua, Saurus, Yvne, Shem, Kanachokosim. And then Yeshua did the Goyal of the last seven Shvatim, and he gives each one his Chalak, and I will see next time, Ezra Shem, the Chalokim of each of the remaining seven Shvatim.